Well, I have a conundrum for you. Is that how you say that word? I think so. All right. So this book by Ernest Holmes, the founder of religious science, was first published in 2001. Now the conundrum, yeah, some of you are going, but wait a minute, didn't he die in 1960? <laughs> so there's the conundrum, but I love this book. It's called Love and Law, and the reason that this actually works out is Ernest Holmes had some very diligent students, and back in the 19, uh, well, I think most of these writings are from 1915, 1916, 1917, and back in the olden days, when you went to a lecture, a lot of people would write them down verbatim. And so, you know, here, you know, close to 100 years later, someone has actually found and transcribed some of these early lectures. And what I love about this book, it's called Love and Law. What I love about it is back in 1915, he was actually speaking in people's homes. This wasn't a big lecture hall with his sort of oratorial style. This is Ernest Holmes being kind of funny, being kind of personal in places. And so, so I've been enjoying this book quite a bit. So it's called Love and Law, and we're going to roughly do uh, three weeks on law and three weeks on love. So today we get the law part. All right. And in honor of the fact um, that we're working on, on law, I thought I would bring some of United Centers for Spiritual Living's new legal requirements and disclosures for you all. Now, as you may, Sharon know, actually Sharon knows this. She recently uh, went through ministerial school and they have introduced quantum physics into our course material and it's even in the new foundations class. And so these are now legal disclosures based on what is known about quantum mechanics. So uh, the first one is, this sanctuary is 100% matter. And in the unlikely event that someone among you has brought antimatter in any form, a catastrophic explosion may occur. <laughs> All right. Now a disclaimer about the unified field theory. The minister may technically be entitled to claim that this Sunday experience is 10-dimensional. However, churchgoers are reminded that this confers no legal, moral, or experiential rights above and beyond those applicable to a three-dimensional sermon, since the seven additional dimensions cannot be detected, felt, or fully appreciated. But I've prepared for them. <laughs> All right, now a safety disclosure. Your minister contains minute electrically charged particles moving at velocities in excess of 500 million miles per hour. So handle with extreme caution. <laughs> and, and la yeah, some of you are groaning, I know. And the last one is on a more personal note. Some quantum physicists suggest that when I am not directly being observed, I may cease to exist or only exist in a kind of vague and undetermined way. So please do observe me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so legal disclosures. I need to make another one about our entire lives. So today, specifically, we're talking about that part of God that we loosely call the law, or, or more formally, the law of cause and effect. And any kind of a, a law is applicable to everyone, 
everyone is subject to it and it works for everyone. That's kind of the nature of a law, even, even a spiritual law. And I'll state the law for you. It's simply that thoughts are creative, that every effect that we perceive in the world, which basically is everything, anything we can touch or taste or feel or sense is an effect. So any effect that we perceive in the world is a result of unseen thought patterns, right? Okay, now that one might be a bit much to chew off, but this is the way the law of cause and effect works. For every mental thought patterns we have, there will be an effect equal to it and, and representing it that will manifest out in the world. And because of that, I think we need a legal disclosure for that. So here's one that I wrote. Warning, your thoughts are creative. Continued thoughts of lack, disease, despair, drama, trouble, discord, and turmoil will cause your life to be a mess. <laughs> right? Okay. Now some... Now, sometimes I get the question, so are you really saying that, you know, just if, I, you know, if, if I'm kind of blue one day and have thoughts of a little bit of depression or despair, that then my whole life is going to outpicture as, as depression and despair? And Well, actually, maybe. Here's, here's the qualification, because it's really thought patterns. And I like to think of it as kind of the difference between a bird and a nest. So if it's just a thought, that's the bird kind of flying through your mind. But if the bird has stopped to make a nest, right? <laughs> if when you look at your general thoughts and they are woven tightly around despair or disease or some kind of trouble or lack, then I got to tell you, you can almost count on that outpicturing in the world as more trouble, as more disease, as more, you know, whatever it is. And that cautionary note, that warning about your thoughts absolutely would stand true. Now, just a passing thought, no big deal, right? We have, I don't know, it's hundreds of thousands of thoughts a day, and they come in and they go out, and no big deal. But if you find yourself full of a nest of ideas in your brain, and it's not to your liking, i got to tell you, this is dangerous. It's actually dangerous and worthy of a warning. Here's what Ernest Holmes says about it in this book called Love and Law. He says, ordinary people are so bound up with their troubles and fears and ignorance that they may not give the time it takes to change their thoughts. Until your thoughts have been changed, your conditions will never be. Your body never will be. We are sick because in our consciousness there is an image of disease. We are poor because in our consciousness uh, there is lack, and so on. These are the nests that over time we can build in our own minds around any, any, kind of, um, any kind of subject. We may feel over time that we're just no good at relationships. We may feel over time that we're no good at handling money or that we're not worthy of living in a nice surroundings. We may feel that over time because of experiences, effects, right? Effects that have come our way that we are simply not able to or worthy of having the good life. I am here to tell you that if we're not living the good life, the place to change it is right here. It's time to take down the nest and build a new one to your own liking. And we can do it consciously. We, we tend to think of thoughts as drifting in and out like they were birds. But you know what? You have the power over your own thoughts. 
but it takes some training. Now, we've all been to all kinds of training before. Not too long ago, I went in for CPR training again. Just throwing that out in case, uh, you know, my talk is extra exciting today. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, every, I think it's every two and a half years, I need to go in and be refreshed on, on how to do CPR correctly. And so over the course of my life, if I keep up on this, and I, and I intend to, I think it's a, a, something to do that's good for the world if all of us knew how to do CPR. I think that would be a great thing. So I keep up on that. But how many of us go in for regular training around our thoughts? Exactly. If, if we spent just maybe a few hours a day actually working on how to change, how to update our own thought patterns, the world would be so, so different. And wouldn't it be lovely if, if after a while you got so good at actually choosing your thoughts and your thought patterns and building the nests you want to see in your brain, wouldn't it be nice if only every 18 months you had to go for a refresher course? I think it could work that way. I absolutely think it could work that way. And today we're going to start with a couple tools to help us along in that effort. So one of the things that Ernest Holmes talks about in the first couple of chapters here is the idea of mental equivalence. And to simplify this a little bit, it's kind of a little bit of a strange term maybe, but I think that is the bird's nest of our own choosing. That's his idea of a mental equivalent. It's being able to hold in our mind the patterns and thoughts that we want to have around a specific subject area. And he actually outlines a couple different ways of doing this. One that we've actually offered a, a workshop on here before, and we call it treasure mapping. He uses a little bit different words, but one of the ways that we can build this mental equivalent is through the process, literally, of taking a glue stick and a stack of magazines and a poster board and some scissors and cutting out the visual idea of how we want to live our lives. Just pick any subject, whether it's relationships or your work environment or, or your living environment, whatever you want, your health, whatever it is you want to do, get a, a fairly good variety of magazines and start cutting out pictures that call to you around that subject, right? So if it's relationship, it would be pictures and words and ideas from magazines that have to do with love and have to do with commitment and have to do with whatever love means to you that you want to experience. If it's maybe more abundance in your life or, or better working conditions, it would be pictures and ideas and words that stand for how you want those to be. If it was a job, it would maybe be your ideal working situation you know, in the physical world, what the office would look like. It, it might be smiling co-workers. It might be the idea, uh, you know, there might be abundance woven into it, knowing that you're, you're well paid for in whatever this job might be, right? It's all the things that in your own mind would symbolize how you want to live your life, and you would do it in a way that you're just accepting that it's true. Because part of this is beyond just the mechanical cutting out. I mean, I suppose if it were just the cutting it out, I could do it for you. I'd say, you know, for, for $25, I'd be glad to take my scissors home and I'll just cut them out for you. But what I know is there's something actually magical in a way about this process because your mental investment, your emotional investment in choosing the photos, gluing them down, arranging them just so, whether you realize it or not, 
You are making a commitment to having this out picture as reality in your own lives. It's it's like almost unavoidable because the process takes several hours and it's almost unavailable, impossible that you're not taking it in, that you're not going to accept it. Okay, so then the question comes up, well, then what do I do with this? Do I need to build an altar to it? Do I need to look at it every day? And you know what? You can fold it up and put it away in the closet. Because what I know is you will have built a mental equivalent that is sturdy enough and heartfelt enough and true enough for you that it will work for you even if it's out of your sight and out of your mind. You will begin drawing to you those things that match this picture. You will begin having those feelings and those experiences that match this treasure map idea. You will begin to usher into your own life, even if that darn thing is just put away and you don't even see it anymore, you will begin to live that life. And I know this is true. I've done it for myself. Uh, About five years ago, um, two times ago, when I actually taught the treasure mapping workshop, Um, my partner and I had this crazy idea it might be fun to have a beach house. No idea of how we'd pay for it, no idea of where it would be or what it would look like or anything like that. But I thought, well, you know, I'm having these 10 brave people cutting out magazine things. I got to do something while they're doing it, right? (laughs) So I'll do one for a beach house. And so, you know, luckily there was a whole stack of sunset magazines. That made the job a little bit easier. So I'm cutting out pictures of the ocean and pretty yards and decks and vistas and a nice house that's cozy with a fireplace and things like that. And you know what? I just folded it up and put it away. And it wasn't until about 18 months after we had purchased the beach house that I had a cause in cleaning out a closet to open it up again. And it is, many aspects of it are a dead ringer especially the view, especially the deck, it looks exactly like the place that I cut out and arranged on my treasure map. This is a powerful process. And you know what the really good news is? It's a lot of fun. So one of your homework assignments this week is to get a big stack of magazines and a glue stick and a scissors and probably about maybe two to three hours of your time Just picture an area in your life that you'd like to turn around, whether it be love or money, whether it be um, working conditions or a new house, whether it be um, the perfect mode of transportation for you or a completely new life. Whatever it is, do yourself a favor of having a little fun on maybe a rainy afternoon. (laughs) Because what I know is there's a little miracle in it for you. And I'd like to see that miracle happen in a way that's this easy and this sweet for you. Might take a little while. Might take 18 months to realize your perfect dream life. I don't know. Might happen overnight, too. The other thing that Ernest Holmes talks about in terms of a mental equivalent, it was hard for me to come up with the actual title of it, the way he's describing it, because it was kind of like the treasure map, only it was without the craft materials. And so I simply, today, I'm going to um, call it picturing yourself. 
And it's really no different than doing the treasure map in your own mind with your own unlimited creativity and palette of pictures and ideas and sensations and feelings and your memories of touches and tastes and feelings and ideas. And, uh, and what I'd like to do today, if you're willing, is a little bit of an experiential, because I think this one is easier to guide you through than it is, than it is even to talk about it. So are we game? All right, so all I'm asking you to do is just close your eyes and just sit comfortably for a minute. For those of you who meditate, kind of put yourself in the frame of mind for a good meditation. Just relax your muscles, sit comfortably in your chair. And what I'd like you to do is picture yourself in your mind's eye on a very special day. Today your investment banker called to tell you that your assets have topped one million dollars. Imagine the feeling of knowing that you are financially stable, financially free. No longer needing to work full-time, no longer worried about bills. You are free and excited to be planning a celebration on this special day. Now I'd like you to picture yourself having a fun activity to celebrate this occasion. Now maybe it's something you've always wanted to do. Um, maybe taking a balloon ride or chartering a boat for fishing. Maybe it's getting on a plane for Hawaii or signing up for dance lessons. Whatever it is, I want you to savor the moment of this fun activity. How does it feel? What does it look like? Who's with you? What has this experience felt like? Savor this moment in time. And now to continue your celebration, picture yourself going out to dinner. You're going to one of your favorite special restaurants, maybe a place that you only go to on really special occasions. Or maybe it's a new one that has, in the past, seemed a little too expensive to try out. Picture being seated, the gracious service. Notice the lovely surroundings. Truly, everything is just the way you like it. And just notice what it looks like, who you're with. And picture a menu full of choices and the process of knowing that you can order anything you like. Is it steak tonight? Fresh cut seafood? Something special? Something exquisite? Imagine the smells and the tastes of this wonderful dinner. You can go there whenever you like. You deserve and can afford the best. You are free, comfortable, supported in this wonderful life. And as you believe in this picture, this mental equivalent, you become ready to receive it. You may open your eyes. So that, very simply, is the idea of picturing it, 
of making this mental equivalent without the scissors, without the glue sticks, although they can be a lot of fun. You don't need any of the craft supplies. You can simply sit quietly and in your own mind develop this mental equivalent of, of what something new, what something wonderful, what something exciting might be in your life. A turn for the better, as they say. And what I think that is wonderful about both of these techniques is whether you try to or not, they irresistibly draw you into them. Sort of, there's that phrase, the hook, line, and sinker. And I think if you go through these processes, it is virtually impossible at the end of it to say, oh, but not me. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? There is something about the creativity and your participation in it that at the end of it makes you feel, yes, this is mine. It may not be mine right today, but soon. It may not be mine to, to you know, open up the door and there's the new car right now, but what I know is I'm worthy of it. What I know is I have the mental equivalent for it. What I know is I can accept it in my life right now. And you know what? That is the way that God takes God's orders. That is the way, absolutely, that the law of cause and effect works. What you have done is through this new mental equivalent, through this new bird's nest that you have built in your mind, you have set into the law the new cause. And what I'm here to tell you, like all laws, we're subject to them. It doesn't matter whether we consider that we've been a failure in the past. It doesn't matter if we consider that our lives are a mess and that in the past we're pretty much sure that our lives will continue to be a mess. None of that matters because when we offer up a clear mental equivalent, a clear picture of what we want and with a heart that's full of acceptance, the law simply says yes. The law of cause and effect will simply look you right in the eye with a beautiful smile and say, and so it is. And so I'd like to close today with another quote from this sweet book. Here's what Ernest Holmes closes the second chapter with. He says, I govern my life as I choose, and I do so absolutely And I do it through a law that I've never even seen. I know it works, for it never fails me. And I know that I have so much of this ability as I believe in. I can see that Jesus, with his infinite understanding, could say, Whatsoever ye believe, it will be done unto you. He understood the law of cause and effect. So believe in the absolute reality of the spiritual power of your thought over everything. In this way, and it is only in this way, that the world is healed. We may seem to be doing it for ourselves and a small thing, but we are doing a thing which reaches throughout the universe. Let us pray. There is one power and one sweet presence in this universe. It is this thing called God. And although God is a God of love, I also know that there is an impartiality of God that is the law of cause and effect. And about cause and effect, I know that it it is here and it applies to every person, every place, everything, every situation in this universe. Every effect has that beautiful cause behind it. And it's true in general, it's true for me, and it's true for each person in this room. 
And for each person in this room, I claim on this sweet day the ability to create a new nest, a new mental equivalent, a new set of thought patterns that absolutely will bring about your heart's desire. And whether it's love, whether it's peace, whether it's joy, whether it's abundance, whether it's a better working condition, whether it's a sweeter relationship, I know that there's a nest to be built. I know that there is a mental equivalent there. And I know that each person in this room, perhaps today, perhaps sometime soon, will take to heart these ideas of treasure mapping and picturing themselves using these new tools using these easy and fun tools to create a better life. And I am simply grateful for this. I'm grateful to be in the power and the presence of God as it takes the form of each loving soul in this audience. And so with a lot of my own love, I just let it be. And so it is. Thank you very much. And now it's our time.